Uh, today's scriptural reading comes from Matthew 9, verse 16 through 17. So if you could turn with me, I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, so both are preserved. <laughs> Roll with the punches. All right, so um, for those who may be new, I've been preaching a sermon series on the core values of New Philadelphia Church. And we have nine core values here at our church. And we have covered five of them already. And those five are, number one, be extravagant in worship. Second was uh, freedom is for everyone. Sorry. Third is father the fatherless. Fourth is be faithful in small things. Last week, Pastor John Michael spoke on the anointing flows from the top down. And today, I'm going to talk about the six of our core values. And that core value is called roll with the punches. Everybody try saying that. Roll with the punches. <coughs> um, does anyone know what roll with the punches means? I'm sure some of you do. In boxing... Technically, roll with the punches means to, uh, it's the boxer's ability to elude the, and to deflect the for, full force of an opponent's blow by skillfully maneuvering his body in the same motion as where the punch is, cut, uh, where, where the punch is going. Alright, so if uh, you're constantly getting uh, messed up by Mike Tyson's uh, left hook, all right, then your, your boxing corner may coach you and tell you, hey, you need to start rolling with those punches. Every time you are going against the grain of his punch, that, that left hook is hitting you really hard. I want you to start moving in the direction of that same punch so that when you get hit, even when you get hit, it doesn't hit you that hard. All right, so, and that's what rolling with the punches means technically. Now, metaphorically, there's different uh, definitions of what roll with the punches means. One definition says, to adjust to difficult events as they happen. To adjust to difficult events as they happen. That's one definition of roll with the punches. FreeDictionary.com, they define it as this. To cope with and to withstand adversity, especially by being flexible. To cope with adversity, especially by being flexible. Uh, another definition, to be able to deal well with difficulties or criticism. Roll with the punches. Dealing with criticism. Well, you know, that's roll with the punches. <coughs> and this is what the Urban Dictionary says. When things don't go your way and you adapt to the changes and you keep moving ahead instead of flipping out. <laughs> yeah, so that's roll with the punches. Metaphorically, this is what it means. Roll with the punches means to be adaptable, to be flexible, to be uh, thick-skinned and hard-chinned toward 
criticism and not being so sensitive and crying and being getting depressed so easily, but learning to roll with the punches, learning to deal with the unexpected turns in life. Uh, rolling with the punches means don't be so closed-minded and set in your ways. Uh, think outside the box. Let others color outside the box and be okay with that. Be creative. Be open-minded. That's what it means to roll with the punches. Now, when things don't go your way, you don't need to panic. You can just roll with the punches. All right? And make the most of the unexpected. When uh, your opponent does a surprise attack on you, no need to get all down and depressed. Roll with the punches and find out how to counterattack your enemy. Uh, if, you're, if you're talking about the devil, of course. Uh, or when you are around people that are hard to work with, instead of using all your energy to complain and grumble and fight them, learn to roll with the punches and work together with them. You know, I mentioned this over a hillside, but if all God did was send people that are easy to work with, you will never grow. You know, some of you are hard to work with. And you are a, a, a growing uh, agent for others. All right, and maybe, maybe you don't see yourself that way. But look, we all need to learn how to be adaptable, to get along, to roll with the punches. This is what, it, this is what his uh, principle is talking about. And this principle is biblical. If you look and you study the lives of the most prosperous and most faith-filled heroes in the Bible, they are all men and women that knew how to roll with the punches. You have Abraham. God calls him to leave his home country and go. And Abraham says, All right, this is all I've known, the surrounding. You know, Wisconsin is all I know. But God, since you're telling me to go... I'm going to roll with the punches. I'm going to go to a land that I do not know. I'm going to get a hagwon job. Or I go to banks that don't have any English translations. I'm going to set up a bank account and live in the land that you call me to go to. All right? Abraham was a man that knew how to roll with the punches. <coughs> um, Joseph was a man that knew how to roll with the punches. You know, Joseph has this amazing dream. Then his half-brothers, they beat him up, try to kill him, and then sell him into slavery. But for Joseph, his dream didn't die, you see. He learned how to roll with the punches. He learned to adapt to his situation, even though those situations were very, very difficult. And, and Joseph went on to see his dreams being fulfilled. Many of the disciples, they are men that knew how to roll with the punches. Just, just look at the way Jesus called them. Jesus just went up and said, come, follow me. And they were like fishing. They were like, hey, all right. Alright, that's rolling with the punches. I mean, these guys, they dropped everything they were doing. You know, Matthew's a tax collector. He's getting all this money. Jesus says, come follow me. Matthew's like, alright, peace. And you know, he just rolls with the punches. And he goes and he lives, you know, in, in wherever inns and whatever they have back then. And they're just traveling around together as a group. And they're just rolling with the punches. <coughs> if you look in the book of Acts, there's plenty of examples of people that roll with the punches. Um, in Acts chapter 17, Stephen gets stoned to death for his Christian faith. And the interesting thing is the next chapter in Acts 8 verse 4, it says that uh, there was a great persecution that broke out on the church right after Stephen's martyrdom. 
And in verse 4 it says, Those who were scattered because of the persecution, they went about preaching the word. And that's rolling with the punches. Alright? Let's say you were Stephen's best friend. And you saw Stephen getting stoned to death before your very eyes. You go home all wanting to mourn and sober and, 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 and mourn the loss of your best friend. You go home and then all of a sudden there's all these Jews coming in. And they're, and they're trying to burn down your house. They're trying to they arrest you and take you in. And so you book town. And you go off to some other town. Now how are you going to feel when you go off to the other town? You're going to be like, I lost everything. How am I going to ever go back home? Right? And this is what these early Christians, they faced. But the Bible says because these early Christians knew how to roll with the punches, although they were scattered, they went around preaching the word of God wherever they were scattered too. That's rolling with the punches, brothers and sisters. Peter, uh, when he was called to begin to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, all right, Peter had to roll with the punches. Right, because in Jewish culture, it was offensive. It was illegal to associate and to eat with a Gentile, to eat with a non-Jew. You were not allowed to go into their house. You and the people looked down on you if you ever did that. You were being a bad Jew if you did that. And here Peter, uh, not just a, a Jewish Christian, but he was a Jewish Christian leader. He was one of the apostles. And God gives him this vision of uh, a blanket with unclean animals and tells Peter to kill and eat. Peter says, no, never. I'll never do that, Lord. I've never eaten anything unclean. God says, don't call anything unclean that I've called clean. I've made clean. And God uses this vision and he hooks him up to Cornelius' house. He goes over to Cornelius' house begins to realize maybe God wants to get this good news not just to the Jews, but maybe he wants to go to other people, to Gentiles. And so what does Peter do? He rolls with the punches and he, and he preaches the gospel message to Cornelius and his household. And the amazing thing is, in the middle of the message, Cornelius and his household, they all get filled with the Holy Spirit, and they all start breaking out and speaking in tongues. As a sign unto Peter, that Peter didn't have to say, hey, Cornelius and your family, if any of you wants to get saved, slip up your hand, I'll lead you through a sinner's prayer right now. There was none of that. Alright, there was none of that. God just, uh, God immediately saw the faith that was in Cornelius and, and his family, and just filled them with the Holy Spirit right away. And Peter could not deny that the gospel was not just for the Jews. To us, that's like a no-brainer. Of course the gospel is going to everybody. But if you are living in that culture, and you are living under thousands of years where God had dealt with only one specific ethnic group in the covenant, it will be hard for you to think outside that box. And what Peter, when he had difficulty thinking outside the box, he learned to adapt and roll with the punches. Now, he only rolled with the punches to a certain degree because he ends up continuing to just minister mainly to Jews. The truth is. And so God raises up the Apostle Paul. All right, makes him an apostle specifically to Gentiles. And and Apostle Paul starts planting church at such an enormous rate that within his lifetime, there were more Gentile Christians than there were Jewish Christians. So that by the time that he, re, he writes the book of Romans, this letter to the Romans, all right, the Gentile Christians are far outnumbering Jewish Christians. But Peter, he, to a certain degree, he knew how to roll with the punches. Paul, man, that boy, he rolled with the punches. Paul rolled with the punches. Like, if you look in Acts 16, he tries to go into one town, Holy Spirit 
says, no, you're not supposed to go there. So Paul goes, all right, then I'll go to this town. He goes over to that town, and the Holy Spirit says, no, that's not, you're not supposed to go there either. Right? And if you're Paul, you might be like, man, Lord, make up your mind where you want me to go. Right? But Paul knew how to roll with the punches. He just continued to prayerfully consider his decisions, and then he just went where he thought God was leading him to go. And if he went and the Holy Spirit said, stop, he just said, all right, I guess I was either off or Holy Spirit is doing something new. He's, he's put me on a detour. And I welcome, you know. Say, I welcome every detour from the Holy Spirit. Everybody say that. Man, I don't want to mention this example, but you know what? There's another man that rolled with the punches. It's Timothy. All right. In order for Paul to take Timothy on his missionary journeys, because they were at that time working with a lot of Jewish Christians, in order to be accepted, because Timothy was a he was a Greek Jew, uh, he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't um, in Jewish covenant. He wasn't. He wasn't circumcised, all right? He wasn't circumcised. And in order for Paul to take Timothy along on his missionary journeys, Paul had to had said to Timothy, I gotta circumcise you. Man, that is that is that is commitment to missions. Brothers and sisters, Timothy is not a young child, he is an adult when this happens. And this boy rolls with the punches. He adapts in order to get the gospel out. That is commitment. That is rolling with the punches. Matthew chapter 9, our passage here. Jesus says, verse 16 and 17, No one puts a piece of piece. Oh, no one puts a piece. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. <coughs> Neither is new wine put into new old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. Brothers and sisters, God wants to sow a new patch of revelation onto the garment that you're currently wearing. He wants to pour out new wine of spiritual gifts, of blessings, of breakthroughs into your life. But the problem is, a lot of times, some of us, we have old garment hearts. And God wants to do something fresh. He wants to show us something exciting. He wants to do something new. But because we got this old, high money, uh, old garment heart, all right, God, God doesn't even, God doesn't do it. Why? Because He knows that if, we, if He does, he'll, we'll just end up rejecting it. Or we got this old wineskin heart. And you see, when God looks to accomplish His purposes on the earth through creative, insightful, fresh ways, He looks for people with new wineskin hearts. So let me ask you a question today. Do you have a new wineskin heart? Do you have a heart that is teachable, adaptable, flexible, stretchable? Or are you just set in your traditions and ways? This is my Christianity. This is how I've experienced God. And this is all I know. And you know what? Don't touch it. Well, well, God wants to do something new and exciting. Well, you know what? God, you better conform to what I know and experienced already. 
That's kind of like how, 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 we, how we are relating to God. And what, what God wants us to do is He wants us to roll with the punches. He wants us to adapt. Brothers and sisters, today you guys sang songs using music of the rock and roll genre. But did you know that only 40 years ago, much, much and the majority of the church was calling rock and roll demonic and of the devil? All right. Many people in church, they, weren't, they were not willing to roll with the punches when it came to hymns. You know, and there's still churches like that. You know, they just, they just, you know, and if hymns, you can praise God through hymns and that's what touches you, then God bless you. You keep using your hymns. But for a lot of the young people, that was yesterday's manna. That was yesterday's blessing. And, it, and, and that type of music genre doesn't, just doesn't speak to the new generation like it did to the old generation. And so what, eventually, we, we have vineyard denomination to thank. All right, vineyard churches, they put out um, recordings of Christian contemporary music using a lot of rock and roll. They were stigmatized of being heretical, demonic, whatever they called them back in the day. But they continue to faithfully put out these records. And it's because of uh, vineyard that we have ministries like Hillsong. Vineyard kicked open the doors for Hillsong to do what they do. And then you know what happened? More recently, this is only maybe like, this is like, oh, I'm old. This is like about eight years ago. Eight years ago, I saw my first Hillsong United DVD. And you know, in the Hillsong United DVD, you got, you know, Marty Sampson, you got all these guys. And they're like praising God. They're, they got the grungy look. They don't have a suit on. All right. It's not like Hillsong, regular Hillsong with Darlene Sheck with a suit on. Hallelujah. All right. This is like Marty Sampson with a goatee with just a T-shirt on and jeans. that's all ripped up. And, and he's just praising God. All right. And then the people like, like it looks like a mosh pit almost in the front. You know, and they're just got lights going on. Lights, you know, that cost money to make these lights you know, flash around. And it's just an amazing production. And when I saw that. It spoke to me. And I was like, wow. Wow. They're doing something different down there in Australia. And I hope we get to eventually see a piece of, piece of that action. But you know, when I went on the internet, you know what they were calling Hillsong United's new DVD? You know, demonic. This is not of God. God would not be pleased if people were worshiping Him with that kind of apparel on. God will not be pleased by all the money that was spent on all those lights and all that production. But look, for all those 15, 16, 18-year-olds that were there singing at the Hillsong United concert, that's what spoke to them. And so these ministers and pastors, they figured that out. And so guess what they did? They rolled with the punches. They said, well, we can continue to force them to conform to what we know, or we can meet them where they're at. You know, Rick Warren recently said, all the young people today, they're not, no longer at malls. They're on Facebook. So if you want to reach them, we've got to go to where the young people are hanging at. You know, but for a lot of people, they say, man, Facebook's are the devil. It takes up all my time. I need to stay away from Facebook. But look, if you learn how to roll with the punches, you will find out that iPhones and iPads and Facebook, is if this is what the young people are digging these days, we got to meet them where they're at and use them and use the language that they speak. If you continue to use... Look, some churches, they're still stuck on the King James Version of the Bible. 
And I, and I understand the scholastic accuracy of books that they had access to that we don't have access to today. But look, if you talk like you, you got King James English in your mouth, I'm not going to understand what you're saying. But why are there still so many people? Uh, you know, when they pray, you know, Lord, we praise Thee and Thou art strong. And you know, why, why are you talking like that? You don't do that. You, you don't... It's obviously, it's just like religious jargon coming out. It's not really like that intimacy, you know? Because you know what? If you, were, if you were laying in bed with your spouse and you wanted to have an intimate conversation, you wouldn't be these and thou's. You'd be like, you'd be like baby, man, you, I love you. You know, you would speak regular. That's intimacy. When I speak to Aaron, I speak ghetto because that's for me. That's intimate. You know, I, I grew up, I grew up with a lot of ebonics, a lot of slang. So when I'm when I'm you know, joking around with her, I use a lot of like, you know, I use I use ghetto language. But that's for me. That's intimate. Even with God, and the funny thing is, one time one of my friends was prophesying over me, and she says, "God loves the way you talk to Him." It's all ghetto. I was like, "What the?" God, you took notice of that? God likes it when I'm just free and being myself. Anyway, we need to learn how to roll with the punches. As a people of God, we've got to have stretchable, elastic, new wineskin hearts. Or we're going to miss out on the moves of God at this age. You know, at our church, we believe in laying down good structure. You know? Uh, right now, I'm working on the 2011 ministry plan. You know, we got to have a schedule. We got to know when the membership classes are going to go on. We got to know when the pastors' cafe is going to go on. We need to stick with those schedules. I can't be like every every week be like, uh, I feel like doing a pastors' cafe. All right, we going to do a pastors' cafe today. Everybody, sign up in the back. All right, uh, we don't got no paper. All right, sign up on back of Marcus's hand or something. You know, like <laughs> we don't do that because we believe in laying down good structure. Programs, worship order, whatever it is. But, in, but borrowing a phrase from Mosaic Church, we believe that structure should always be in submission to spirit. You see, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.6, the letter kills, the spirit gives life. You know, God is a God of order. And He is very pleased when we're organized and we plan things out. And we have things in schedule. But, you know, God is also a God of spontaneity. And, and, and sometimes He just likes, he likes to color outside the box. I mean, color outside the lines. He likes to do fresh things. He likes to surprise us. Right? And so, if when God wants to surprise us, all we do is say, No, Lord, stop surprising us. We only want to stick with what we planned out for the last three weeks. We want to stick with this. And we're worshiping more the schedule, the program, the structure, rather than the voice of the Holy Spirit. We're, we're, we're way off then. And so we believe that structure should always be in submission to Spirit. <clears throat> so we have our order of worship. And we're going to follow that order generally. But if one Sunday, like today at Hillside, all right, today at Hillside, we usually have praise right after praise we spend about 15 minutes praying for about two topics and generally i try to keep it that way so that you know that that prayer time could really go long because everybody's into it 
you know, everyone's like, ah, and singing in spirit and praying in the spirit, and and people are really into it. It can it can it can get really long. So I try to keep it a two topic. But today, today, the Holy Spirit during Sunday swim prompted me and said, I want you to call up Kendra and have her prophesy. All right. And so today, God was coloring outside the lines that of our schedule of service, and and I said, Holy Spirit, I totally welcome that. Holy Spirit, I joyfully welcome that. And so, uh, you know, I had to make sure Kendra was cool with it. So I said, Kendra, get up. Hey, uh, you cool with prophesying right now? And then she's like, oh, uh, okay. And then I said, all right, then come on up. All right, anyway, anyway that was, uh, I should have asked her earlier. I just forgot. And then she came up, and then we, we prayed for two people. And it was powerful. It was powerful, you know. We had... Uh, God had put Doug on my heart, so I asked Doug to come up. And Kendra was prophesying over Doug, and then boy is shaking under the power of God. He just, boom, like the Holy Spirit just hitting him. She's getting all these prophecies speaking into his life. Pray for another Emmaus student, and then just we we're just laughing like for half the time because there's a lot of joy that was being released on, 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 on the sister Anna, and it was it was just beautiful, you know, it was just beautiful. But if all I was concerned about was the structure, and I said, No, Lord. This is not what we planned out. You're ruining everything. All right. Obviously, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with you, Christian? All right. This is fun when the Holy Spirit does that. Amen? Now, depending on what your personality is, that can really excite you or can make you really uncomfortable. Okay. But whatever personality you are, what I want to say is I want to encourage everybody, roll with the punches. Roll with the punches. If the Holy Spirit wants to draw outside the lines then let him do it. Let him do it. Because he got something better. He got something new. He got something fresh. So we believe structure should always be in submission to spirit. <coughs> um, the Bible says many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Once again, it says in Proverbs 16:3, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. So what are these two verses saying? All right, these two verses are just saying what I have been saying the whole time. Roll with the punches. All right, you can make plan. You can many of the plans in the man's heart. You can make all these schedules and plans, but it's the Lord's purpose that's going to prevail. So don't don't start crying when your plans don't go the way you want. Because if the Lord's purpose prevails, the Lord's purpose is always higher and bigger and better. And then it says also commit to the Lord whatever you do, and then your plans will succeed. Meaning. Lord, this is what I've planned. This is what I've scheduled. But right now, I commit it to you. You have free access to say over it whatever you want. That's what the Bible is saying. Commit to the Lord whatever you do. Your plans then will succeed. Your plans may not go according exactly to what you planned. But they will succeed if you commit it to the Lord. You know, if I'm in God's position... I will be under the impression that I can do whatever I want. I, I forget, my, one of my pastor friends said, he heard a quote one time. He heard an Af- African-American pastor say, where does a thousand pound gorilla sit? Wherever he wants. Why? Because he's a gorilla. And he does not really ask people where he, wherever he wants. He wants to sit where he wants. And God is sovereign that way. 
And, and you know what? I believe God is under the impression that He can speak into any of the plans that you made for yourself. Even the ones that you think were inspired by God. Because by the way, God has been known to give you opportunities that He doesn't want you to take. Every good thing that God gives you doesn't mean that He wants you to actually carry it through and do it. That's why we got to learn how to depend on His voice, depend and recognize His presence more than try to recognize a good and successful plan. We got to depend on His voice. Because this uh, example I gave at Hillside, God told Abraham to kill his son Isaac. That was a word from the Lord. And so what did, Isaac, uh, what did Abraham do? He took Isaac up to the mountain. And he, he said, son, we're going to do something here. I want you to lay down. Daddy, why are you crying? Daddy's just emotional today. All right, just lay down here. Daddy, why are you raising that knife? I like to see a glimmer in the sun. <laughs> and he's about to kill his own son. Right? And then God says... Through the angel, right? Stop. Don't do it. Now, if Abraham was more dependent on the word that he got earlier, rather than on the voice of the Lord, guess what? He would have killed his son. But that's what, that's what so many Christians do. They get a word from the Lord, and yes, it pleases God that you follow that word. You know, <clears throat> when I was... um. Uh, high school senior, I went to Urbana 96, Urbana Conference 96. I stayed in the Urbana Champagne dorms and, and uh, went out and worshipped with 10,000 students. It was amazing. And during the middle of the conference, God spoke to me really clearly. It was so exciting because it was the first kind of, it wasn't audible, like it wasn't audible audible, but it was like so audible. You know what I'm saying? And the one word that God spoke to me was missions. Missions. And so I remember I went into some corner and I just started journaling. Yeah, the Lord spoke to me tonight and he said one word, missions. I'm going to be a missionary for the rest of my life. (laughs) All right. And so, and so the next year when it came to applying for colleges, I didn't want to, I didn't want to apply for colleges. I knew that I just wanted to be a missionary. And it took one of my aunts to kind of slap me across the face and be like, What's wrong with you? I was like, I'm, I'll just go to the army. I'll just go get a job. I just want to be a missionary. What's my, you're a gifted young man. You just got into NYU Stern. And I did early decision to NYU Stern because I thought if any, any school, my sister was there. So if I would go to any school, I'd just go to NYU Stern. But then, you know, it was too expensive, so I wasn't going to go. And she's like, what's wrong with you? And she smacked, she, you know, she didn't smack me, but she pretty much smacked me with her words and told me, it was like, a, it was like God speaking to my life. But I'm thinking inside, I cannot go to NYU. That will betray the word of the Lord. He told me missions. <laughs> so anyway, um, um, my aunt's word was a little bit more scary. So I ended up going to NYU. And once I was at NYU, I was determined to be faithful to that word. Missions, 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 missions. So guess what I did? You know... Every single summer of my life since 1998, I have gone on mission projects. Except the summer I got married, which is 2008. 
Every single summer since 1998, I've gone on mission projects. I've been to Kazakhstan six times. I've been to China twice. I've been to India once. I've been to the Philippines like I don't know how many times. I've been to Indonesia. I've gone on so many mission trips. Why? Because for me, that was me trying to obey and honor the word God gave me in 1996. Missions. So I went and ran with it. <clears throat> but guess what? In 1998, when Jair Sungdo Church asked me to step up as the lead pastor, 2008, yeah, isn't that what I said? 1998, I'm sorry, 2008. In 2008, when Jair Sungdo asked me to be the lead pastor, I felt like I was going to betray my, the word of the Lord. I thought, Lord, I thought you just want to be a missionary, and that was it. And I just felt like, God was saying, look, yeah, look, son, you've done a lot of missions. And missions field was your training ground. It was your training ground to do what you're about to do right now. Brothers and sisters, the Bible says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It doesn't say every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It proceeds. It's, it should be an active speaking and hearing that we are doing. We need to actively be listening for every word that is proceeding from the mouth of God now. Because the word that He gave you yesterday, you know, sometimes prophetic words are like manna and milk. They expire. There's an expiration date. And it takes the spirit of the sons of Issachar to discern the times and seasons in which you are in. But so many Christians, they are so one-dimensional, they don't know how to roll with the punches with even a prophetic word that they got. That all they do is they just say one, one dimensional application of this word. Missions. And, and, and God is saying, look, look, that was for a time and a season. And right now I'm, 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 I'm stepping you up to be the lead pastor. That was your training ground. But you're going to continue to do missions, by the way. But it's not going to be in the, in the form of a traditional missionary. You know, all, all the years since 1996, the only way I thought of missions was as a traditional missionary. Going out over there, moving over there with my family, learning a new language, learning a new culture, you know, financially struggling, trying to make friends out in the market, and trying to start a little Bible study at home and not get arrested. I thought, that, I thought, I thought that's what I was going to do. And God is saying, look, missions is way bigger than that. And I'm, let me show you. Let me show you. And right now, I feel like for me, my calling is to mobilize young people to go on missions. And God is saying, not everybody can mobilize people to go on missions. You can. I've given you that gifting. So, brothers and sisters, it's very important that we, we learn how to roll with the punches. And that <coughs> structure should always be in submission to spirit. So even, even prophetic words should always be in submission to what the Holy Spirit is saying now. Is everybody with me? You know, there are some people, I want to close with this, there are some people that they're on the other side. They're all about spontaneity. They're all about getting a word from the Lord and doing, doing it as God directs it and, and gives them a word at this moment right now. 
at the expense of good planning and structure. And <clears throat> they think, why plan anything out when the Lord can easily put you on a detour? Uh, what's the use of making a five-year plan when God has the freedom to just throw it out? You know, what's the use? And then they say that the best way is to always stay open and spontaneous. And they try to follow the leading of the Spirit, but often it is at the expense of good planning, schedules, and programs. But brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you that such people may sound very spiritual because they're constantly trying to hear from the Lord and they're constantly trying to get a word from the Lord. But let me tell you right now, such people that are unbalanced on that side, they lack the discipline to achieve anything more than just short-sighted goals. They lack the maturity to work with others toward true transformation. Transformation of cities and nations. If all you are about is just the spontaneity and the getting the word from the Lord and doing everything, you know, I, I, today I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit about which pants to wear and which socks to match it with and all this stuff. You know, if, if, you, if that's like, man, people like that, I'm sorry. They, they come off as flaky. You know, and we need to roll with the punches, but it should not be at the expense or abandonment of good planning and structure. Anybody with me here? You know, Joseph had a 14-year plan for Egypt that God revealed to him. And he stuck with that plan and saved the entire people and his family. Right? If you guys want to change Cambodia, if you want to see human trafficking end in Thailand, if you want to see the North Korean refugees in China come out of the darkness and get freed, that's going to require good planning and structure coupled with rolling with punches. You cannot, you can go in there and you can grab 10 Cambodian women and say, hey, I'm saving you out of the sex trade. Here, you can go to the safe house and you can just stay here at the safe house and you're all good. And you think you're changing Cambodia? Guess what? You're not. You might be bringing temporary relief for these girls, but what about all the other girls that are vulnerable out there? If you really want to change Cambodia, you got to change it at the policy level. You got to change it at the law level. You got to become politicians, get elected into office, and get into a position where you can actually do something about it. Where you can influence the Cambodian leaders to set up some better police stations, to set up some better education systems. You know, maybe you can go and start a school there and just change an entire town. And as you change the town and you give them jobs and you give them education, the Cambodian government takes notice of what you do in that little town and says, I want Diane Wheat. We want to meet with her next week. Hallelujah. I want to meet with Wheat next week. And we are going to talk about what she is doing in this town because we want it for the rest of the country. And you know what? Stuff like that has been happening already. You go to China. There's a college called UST, Yanbian University of Science and Technology. One of the most amazing examples of a university that was started by missionaries, but rose to such high class, rose to such top levels, that the Chinese government actually came in to study it and try to model their colleges and universities after it. And the, all the professors at this university, by the way, they're all Christians that are on missionary support from the states. They all have PhDs, but they've gone to China with their families all right, and they are there as missionaries doing their work at this university. 
And guess what? They, they've been teaching excellency. With, they've been teaching with excellency, but they're also evangelizing and, and getting students saved. When I was there in 19, uh, 2005, I'm sorry, 19, I'm on the 90s today. Uh, 2005, I asked some of the professors, I said, what's the rate of students that come in Christian? They said about 10%. I said, well, how, what's the rate of Christians uh, when they leave, when they graduate? All right. They said it's over like 85%. Students that come in non-Christians, 85% of the student body are Christians, hungering and living for the Lord by the time they graduate. You know, and, and, and so the Chinese government took notice of this. Amazing thing is, the amazing thing is, Pyongyang took notice of this. And Pyongyang came with government officials to meet with the missionaries of this particular university. And they said, start the same thing in Pyongyang. So you know what? Over the last five years, they built it. It's kind of opened and closed because they have different policy issues. But they have a university there full of missionary professors that are educating the high class of, the, of, of North Korea. And guess what? When North Korea opens up and there's reunification, guess who's going to take the reins of leadership in North Korea? It's going to be the high class of North Korea. And guess what? Not all of them are brainwashed and, and, and are sworn allegiance to Kim Jong-il. They may, they may do that on the outside, but in their hearts, they may be looking for the change. And guess what? When we, when we learn, when we're in positions of influence and when it opens up and there's freedom, they're gonna look, who, they, who are they going to look to? They're going to look to people like these professors for mentorship, for leadership. All right, that's how we change entire nations. So <clears throat> it's important to be spontaneous, roll with punches, but it's also good structure and planning is also very important. So um, I just want to end with that. Praise the Lord. Let me close this in prayer. Father God, I just bless each person in this room and I pray that you will make this Itaewon church plant, you will make everyone in this church, you will make them people of your presence. A people that are familiar and know how to recognize your voice. A people that are led by the Spirit of God. A people that roll with the punches. That are adaptable, that are flexible. That with tough difficult times come when economic collapses come they don't have to worry about being swept up with everybody else but they can know that they are set apart that they can prosper they can prosper in the times of famine they can prosper in the times of economic collapse if only they would just recognize your voice so I pray that you would, you would form each person as a person that knows how to roll with the punches I just bless this church Thank you for each one. And thank you for the new building, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.